We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. All right, Light Years Pat. Oh wow, Light Years Podcast. It's been that kind of day. Um, Andy Lou, we're back. Sam is Fendiari, pissing off the coach's wife. How you doing, sir? I was so sad that happened. <laughs> um, for, yeah, uh, I'm okay. Um, That's it. That's a, you. You know what's funny is. Um, I, I know that you, you agreed with my tweets. That's what's funny. I, I agree. I agree with you, but I also know that she follows me. I um, mean, apparently she follows you. And um, when I said that, that, and I also really like Steve Kerr. He's like, as do I. Why he, he as gets do no, I. As, as does Sam. He's such like a nice person. He's just a good guy. Um, and he's funny. And he's all these personable things. And it's kind of hard to criticize him. So like, and I'm a bigger homer than you are. So, like, I, I try to stay away from criticizing Steve. And I also do think he's a really, like, a top three coach. But I do agree with what you said. It's just funny to see, like, everybody yeah, needs re- everything, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, just to just to get this out there as a full PSA, I'm <laughs> not calling for Kurt to be fired. Um, only weirdo would would demand a two-time defending and three and four-year coach to be fired i was literally just pointing out like tactical things that were infuriating me about the team which by the way is the whole point of nba twitter and this whole thing like if we can't discuss the game and like why are the warriors doing this what can they do to adjust like what's the point of the conversation i might have been a little too hyperbolic with the way i said about kerr and i could see how that might look like I don't like the guy, but that's not what was going on. I was mostly just annoyed at the fact that like their offense disintegrates into mid rangers 
consistently, like way too much. And we'll get into this with uh, Mo Dockel later in the podcast. Um, but it was kind of funny to see how, you know, uh, you take a tweet out of context without like realizing what someone's really trying to say. It can look a lot worse. Cause like <laughs> w- w- once I got that reaction, I realized I was like, man, you know, I can't even blame someone because if they just read this, it sounds like I'm saying like you should fire the dude. And that's like well, not I mean, what I was trying to get at. I mean, and she's, I mean, it's the, the wife of like, of wife course. Of Steve, you know, I'm like, I, if she didn't do that, I'd be, if I was Steve, I'd be like, Hey, yo, we, you know, what are we going on here? You got to defend me on time. Twitter. Yeah. I got, I got, um, keep, keep doing that. You know, um, it's a for sure keeper for life. It was that. See, <laughs> See that that's facts, and that's that's the thing. I think I think like what's inarguable, and I think see, I think you agree with me here too. Is there are actually people that get like truly annoyed and then like want him gone, right. or there are people out there that aren't they don't they don't watch Warriors games that think like, oh, Steve Kerr didn't actually do anything for this team. Like, Mo, like Mark Jackson could have done this, and I think for you, yeah, that's... it doesn't piss us off more than that. Yeah, it's um like all. So let, let's get it. We, we did mailbag and we got about a thousand questions oh, that were okay, related to the Warriors offense on this. So um, let's get into some of those. But it, it's basically like obviously the Warriors are 16 and nine now and Steph missed a bunch of time and everything just kind of looks out of sync. And part of it's just kind of what happens when you run the same system and same core four or five years in a row and teams adjust to you, right? Part, and so part of the frustration is just like, Warriors, can you just adjust to them? Like, do do something different? Because I'm tired of watching Clay dribble into 17 footers. Let's let's get let's get something a little more creative going. Yeah. Um all right. First question. Do you have one you want to go to or should I go? Go ahead. Go unless, unless yeah, go ahead unless you don't have one up. Um I'll let you go first. All right, I have a I really good one from uh oh man, I thought this was Killjoy, but it's a fake Killjoy. It's it's Killjoy with two Y's, 18. It's a burner. <laughs> it's Killjoy's burner. Salute. Oh, he's from Pakistan, so you would know. Um so Light Years wow. podcast. <laughs> how how important do you so this is a nerdy question, but I love it. How how important do you guys think Dray, Draymond's role is in Did fast breaks just crack? Yeah, I just, dude, I'm 27. My <laughs> voice is still cracking. Listen, man, this is how Monday night is going. It's, it's one of those weeks. Um, how important do you guys think Draymond's role is in fast breaks and ball movement? Obviously, it's important. Um, I think the question is, is he the, missing him the reason that the offense doesn't look the same? Um, my general thought is, obviously, you can't replace – uh, an all-star caliber player, you can do a lot of things different. This is kind of where the frustration comes from. It's like, make some adjustments. He might be out for an extended period of time. You might not have him for an extended period of time. So, Whoa. you know, do something a little different. You know, I, I think the current reports are they're hoping he plays after this road trip, so early next week. Um, but, you know, toes can be tricky. This might be a 40-game Draymond season. Who knows? <sighs> You know what? I'm okay with that if that means he's full health for the playoffs. But, you know, like, uh, he's so, like, when people say he does little things that you don't notice, I I think people truly don't notice those things and then they forget because of how great this team is. Just for example, he's so good in transition, fine, or just 
getting down to the middle lane and then finding the open guy on the wing in the corner. And the other thing he's good with Steph is hunting screens. Like in transition when they're running like, you know, four on four, three on three, whatever it is, he always picks the guy off that's covering Steph and Steph is just dribbling to a wide open transition three, right? Same thing for KD. Um, and, and he's just able to do those things that Kevon Looney's just not experienced enough or not smart enough to do that. Jordan Bell is definitely not experienced enough to do that. And Jay, Damian Jones, well, how many power forwards are there in the NBA who can do that period? Like LeBron, <laughs> but you know, LeBron's never going to set a screen and you know, he lazy. So he just got to take <laughs> the ball up. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're right though. Right? Like who's going to do that in the NBA? Right, it's it's like, got so it's gonna yeah, be yeah, a fringe pull, role player. Pull pull Boris D out of retirement and hope it's, he loses thirty pounds. Like that's one of much. my favorite players, Boris D out. But that's like what we're talking about. There's not a lot like Draymond's skill set is pretty unique, so it's obviously missed. Um, but it's kind of their identity. I think it's that that's why too. Like how Steph has the identity and how like how like Clay I is. Do Clay. think I do think they could generate more fast breaks if they played KD at the four. Um, just by nature of going small and having you know personnel can run if more. If KD tries, but I still think they would if he was there. But th- but then there's another issue, which is they don't have that many wings, and a couple of them are injured right now, so they don't yeah. get to play KD at that position. So it's like Jarebko, and um, it's just a it's kind of a ragtag mix, which leads to them not playing with the Warriors. Yeah, that's true. Next one, you got one. Yeah, if you guys were hired as head coach, which I'm not trying to be, um, love it. Exactly Just double down. Baby. What kind of action systems would you guys use to best utilize the talent besides having four people make a wall around Curry? Um, so <laughs> who the, asked this again? By the way, our thoughts podcast. Okay. Um, so obviously, the number one answer is you put an offensive line around Steph and just let him shoot from thirty feet. Um, but the, but the second thing is, I would want more guys like McKinney. Um, I would just want more three and D guys. I think that's generally what they're lacking. And actually, I don't think they're that lacking if they're healthy. But they don't have like an extreme amount of depth with it. Um, I maybe that the hope was Jacob Evans would be a guy like that, but that hasn't really panned out. Um, I just try to get more wings who can defend and hit open threes and space out to allow. Steph, KD, the main guys to have the ball more and push that way. So you kind of want a more of a um, tradition, I guess, like you could say traditional modern NBA. Is that even is that an oxymoron? Uh, uh, traditional modern NBA offense where you kind of have two main guys or one main guy even run a bunch of pick and rolls, have a bunch of guys that can just stand in the corner and shoot threes. Um, kind of. I, I mean, this is in context of who the Warriors already have. Like, they just need more shooters around their their core pieces, and their core pieces are obviously the stars plus Iguodala and Livingston, like the guys who've kind of been there the duration of this run. They just need more guys who can who are athletic and can hit an open shot. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's. Uh, but everyone answer. wants that. No, but I, I think you're not going to see a better offense than what they have than running that offense. Like w- running that gives them the best chance of scoring like 200 points in a game, right? I think I'd agree with that. Um, m- my thing is, I, I just I want to see if I were the coach too. Um, if if me and you somehow got got Steve fired and, and we took we took charge, we're not trying team. to do. Never, <laughs> whatever. Um, I I would I would like to see I would like to see. 
Steph, KD, and Clay just shoot like 15 to 23s a game each. Like, they're the best three point shooters in the league. They're like three of the greatest of all time. I just want to, I don't care how they shoot them. Well, maybe with Clay, maybe you don't want him dribbling into a three as much. But with Steph, just chuck him. With KD, just shoot. Like, I would, I just want to see these guys shoot. I would require it, just like how Steve probably requires him to make like three passes before a shot. You know, he probably does that to get ball movement, or he requires like some Hoosier stuff, right? I would require like just these guys to just shoot as many threes think, as possible. Do you think Kerr's out there measuring the the rims to let him know? <laughs> it's the same. Just, just it's the same. <laughs> it's the same in Ohio as it is in California. You know, but like it, it's uh because. I don't think they've been unleashed that much yet because we see in the league, like I'm looking at Kemba shoot a bunch of threes. I'm looking at Damian right. Lillard. Like as great as those guys are at shooting threes, they're not Steph. They're not Clay and they're not KD. Like none of them are. And then it's not even close. And so if I, if I want to see them stretch, you know, kind of modern basketball to its extremes, that's the way I would do it. I would just, Maybe just run the same offense. You you would run a bunch of pick and rolls and just chuck a bunch of threes. Because what can you really do if Steph starts the game and just screen, shoot a three, screen, shoot a three, right? He doesn't even look to pass. And then when he starts to attract two, three people, and then he just chucks it over to KD who does the same thing, right? Like just screw the dribble in mid-range. I don't care if you go like two for 10 from three. Just keep shooting them um, is the way I would go. Yeah, and the second thing is they they needs well, needs the wrong word, but like I'd be looking for one thing that McKinney and Jarebko brought, and it kind of sucks not having McKinney for the stretch where there was the injuries because weird injury. Yeah, um, just guys who make an impact in the game with offensive rebounding, with loose ball stuff that provide energy to the team that like. Sometimes you need that, particularly when you have a veteran team of guys who clearly like they're kind of waiting till the springtime. You know, you kind of need someone else to be that spark plug. Um, and it's not going to be Livingston. It's not going to be Iguodala. Um, so you need some of those role players to just be guys who can kind of like dive for a ball or kind of crash the glass or do some of that stuff that kind of gets everyone else going. Um. Yeah, like those type of roles. It's hard, hard to find those. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah, kind like, of who Draymond is. Everyone you know, wants but. that. But yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, everyone wants a 3 and D guy who is really energetic. I'm like, I think that guy gets paid like $15 million right now in the <laughs> NBA. So for a reason. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, next question from Dylan Black. Oh, that's the one I had up too. That's okay. perfect. It's perfect. Should the, should the Dubs consider trading Draymond before the deadline? for either a lottery pick or some solid young rotation players before his value drops more than already has. Do you uh, want to go first or should I? I'll go first. Um, this is kind of the the part where people don't take into account uh, player emotion because if the Warriors trade Draymond midseason, Steph, you never see Steph say anything not diplomatic, but that's probably going to get him pretty heated. And it probably it might not matter. They probably still win the title. Um, but that's not something I would want to do. Um, and so that's always the difference between kind of gauging what players are in real life and then how it works in 2K. Because it's always going to be easy in 2K, but in real life, you got to manage the emotions of not just the player that you're trading, but the players that they're playing with. Okay. So um, I agree with you. You absolutely do not do it in the regular season, but for a different reason. Uh, well, I guess the same. Like you said, 2K. Trading Draymond is a wholesale 
change to the defense and the way you play. You cannot do that in February and think you're going to win in the playoffs. Like, I think they can win a title without Draymond. I don't think they can win a title on the fly without Draymond, if you get what I'm saying. Like, they, they will not have a playoff, a title caliber defense if they trade Draymond in February. There's like, short of trading him for, I don't even know who they could trade him for. That would like ensure, <laughs> but like I mean, you're talking about like so much of defense about continuity and like there's no way that like, you could you could come up with that in like 20 games and it'd be at the level it needs to be. Now, if we're talking summertime, that's a different question, and that's a that's a tougher one to answer because then you start thinking about his next contract and whether you want to keep the core together for another five, six years, if it'll be good. I mean, but that's a different question. But as it, this team is in the middle of a run. The only focus from now until June should be winning a title. And because of that, you cannot trade a core player short of like it being so bad in the locker room that if you don't trade it, like someone's going to, you know, go spree well on someone else. Well, the thing is, what if you do, let's say you do trade them and let's say KD leaves. Then, then, and and Andre Iguodala is like basically he's not he's washed in the regular season. All of a sudden, you have Steph, you have Clay. Let's say Steph gets hurt and misses twenty games, you're not you're going like two and ten, right? Like are the all of like a sudden you're Warriors, fighting for a playoff spot? Exactly, right? So that's that's not something you want to do. Right. I, I will say if if KD signs a, a long contract and he signs a three plus one or or maybe something longer, then yeah, I mean you can trade Draymond and you can. You could be okay well, with start, that. Then you start looking at like what long is term. the best long-term move. But until then, you don't even think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's an interesting thing because you could make the case if if KD does stay long-term, maybe trading Draymond for I don't even know what, but like you obviously want some sort of mobile defensive like four or five type who probably can't do everything he can but can do enough of it and you make it up in other ways. But the the fact is, I mean, I think we both think KD is probably not coming back. Um, at, at, okay, it's, it's, it's not a given. And, right, right. And you certainly can't make a move based off of the idea that you think he's probably maybe might come back. Yes, correct. You can't do that. That's, and, that's and by just... the way, I mean, the best move is still keeping Draymond with KD. Correct. Um, but that, but then there's always a like, you know, what you want is you want to keep the 27 year old dream on forever, but that, you know, that might not exist. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and guys like Draymond, uh, hurt all the time and, and, and Iguodala who doesn't play in the regular season. You got Steph now who's, you know, he's missed large chunks of last season and he just missed three weeks and you know, it gets tricky. You almost need, you almost need Durant, you know, obviously you always need Durant, but you almost, right can't win without him in the regular season because like you just he's just consistent and he doesn't get hurt knock on wood um i have one more um and then you have one let me know but uh kent paisley um i i like this one because uh i i disagree with the uh the thought process on it how much of the warriors longevity is hurt by missing on finding multiple year pieces with the uh mle mid-level exception swaggy one year cousins one year zaza two years um no, actually, I think their longevity is hurt by not nailing the draft. Those those mid-levels are useful vets who are usually around 30. Um, 
But what gives you longevity is finding Kevin Durant. <laughs> no, I, well, yes, that. But like, what gives you the real longevity is nailing a twenty-eight pick with like a real player. Which, by the way, mo- most teams don't do. Right, you that's know? my thing. Like, like Looney is a real player now, and uh, he obviously has his flaws. But like, he's an uh, no, he's he, a real, he's player. a yeah, good he's player. Yeah. He's a good role player. Every team would be happy to have him in their like eight man rotation and you know first pick off the bench type of thing. Um, but then on the flip side, it's like you know then you get Jacob Evans. Maybe Jacob Evans turns good in a couple of years, but like he's clearly not an impact player and probably won't play in the playoffs. Um, and you know, I mean, that's, that's the way the system's designed. If you're good, you have late picks, late picks are not guarantees. The Warriors kind of got spoiled by the fact that like, I mean, who gets a a Draymond Green level impact player at 35? That is the answer, right? (laughs) Azili overperformed. Exactly. But like what Draymond did, like that's generational every year, every like 10 years, there's that one guy who like, and he was a second round pick, and he's like Madu, a multi time. Right? Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't happen. You're right. So, it, so I 100% agree. Right. I, I don't think it's the, like, I, I think they draft fine. Like, wh- what do you expect? Right. Damian Jones, right. He's not good. James, Jacob Evans is not good, but they get Jordan Festus. Bell. They yeah. get Draymond, right? They get Jordan Bell, who I think still, ha- who can still hoop. I believe he can still hoop. Patrick McCall looks like he may be done, but he showed some promise too. Like, I, I think the Warriors found, like, they draft decent. They're not, they may not be the best, but it's also what are you supposed to do with the late round picks? And then the thing with the with the multiple year pieces with the mid level exception is that's a handicap because it, this is not baseball, right? You can't just get the best players like the Red Sox and then win the title. The Warriors already got the best players by getting that cap spike and getting Kevin Durant and building that along with the three you know Hall of Fame talents that they already have. They've already got that. And at that point, it's more of like a, you don't have much left. You can't field a team full of all stars just because it's like, well, you can't hit any on anything, right? The Warriors are about like that's, as that's kind of why I was excited. Team. That's why I was excited about McKinney. Like they they found a dude who looked like a viable young energetic rotation piece to fit that fit like a a hard to find position, which is a two way wing. And you know he's hurt right now, but. Hopefully he comes back, and hopefully he still plays at a good level. But, like, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like, it's not that easy. Like, if there were that many readily available players at the mid-level and below, you know, the words wouldn't be as good as <laughs> right. they were, right? Right. Even even that guy that, that Houston drafted, I forget his name, but he scored, like, he averaged, like, 20-plus points in summer league. I forget who he was. Daniel and House. He, Daniel, no, it, the, the Rockets. I forget, it was standard. It was some rookie. It was he was some. Nah, he wasn't. Oh, some, Mel. Oh, um, uh, Mel. Oh, you got it. You got it. You got Mel, it. Yeah, the guy they traded to Phoenix. Exactly, and they ended up trading him. Like he was supposed to be like a really like decent player, right? Like a lottery talent or whatever. And then they just ended up trading him. Like th- these guys aren't supposed to be good basketball players because they're in the second round or they're late first. So, um, do you have one more? or Should we get Mo on? Yeah, let's get Mo on. Okay. Cool. Perfect. All right, now this week we've got Mo Adakio on. Dude, I hope I'm saying that. I really do. Founder of the jumpball.net, former NBA video coordinator for Clippers, Spurs, you know, and Australian now, men's basketball, whatever. And now with Washington, the Washington Post, Mo's becoming big time. 
it's a oh. it's a it's a freelance gig. So let's just not go. I'm I'm big time yet. You you know they like you when they pay your benefits. So we're, <laughs> right now they just right now I'm just an associate. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so whenever I have like an actual technical basketball question, like an X's nose one where I think just something's wrong and I want to like bounce my ideas off someone, Mo's the first person I go to, um, in terms of someone I actually think knows what they're talking about. Um, so obviously, uh, so the Warriors won, uh, we're recording Monday night. You don't ask Twitter, Sam? That's not your thing? You don't ask NBA Twitter? I, not, not I do not lost. ask Prime LeBron his thoughts on um, <laughs> the triangle offense. <laughs> um, so the Warriors won against the Hawks. The Hawks aren't very good. But obviously Saturday, um, Kerr was pretty frustrated. Um, and actually Slater asked a question that Warriors Twitter had been wondering for a while. The Warriors are currently 20th in the NBA in three-point attempts. They they're basically taking the same amount of attempts they took Kerr's first year, which back then put him in the top five. And now the rest of the league is three point happy. happy. Um, And I'm just wondering, you know, we're seeing more and more games where teams take 10, 11 more attempts than them. And it's leading to stuff like the Detroit game where Detroit took 10 more threes than them. And the margin of victory was literally those three point attempts. Um, is that a problem the Warriors – like it feels like it's the first real tactical problem they've had. You know, I I don't think it is. And and, and this is going to wow. piss off Warriors fans um, and, 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 and Sam, as I can tell by that. Wow. Uh, because here's the thing. It's – listen, that, that, that Saturday game, the Warriors shot 6 for 26 from three. You know, shooting 23%, well below their their average of 37.9% from three, right? Like, they just had a bad shooting night. Right. Um, it also happens a lot when I, – I, I don't know the numbers. I I don't have the time to go figure that that out. Right. But I wonder if – but I, I, I would love to see somebody show me a record of what happens when a team gets their star back after an extended a- absence. You know, what – what what happens? Do they do they win more often or not? My gut says they're they're more likely to lose or at least not look good in that process, just because it's again reworking somebody after you got used to playing a certain way. I mean, we saw it. The whole offensive system changes when when Curry's out. It comes a lot more pick and roll heavy, uh, a lot more KD based, uh, and in that regard. So I kind of see, you know, that that kind of Saturday game more of a an anomaly god i can't say that word um and i i get that they shot more threes but you know when you look at it in terms of you know they still shoot a higher percentage they make a higher percentage than their opponents you know they're i think we were talking this morning sam i think it's the opponents are shooting like 33 percent something around there against they're they're not they're not hitting a lot of shots they're just getting a lot up which is more of a defensive thing they shouldn't be getting that many up well, yeah, and then I think you also have to look at it too. Is a lot of teams are really trying their best to make sure they take away the three ball from you guys, right? Like right. that's kind of they're more focused, right? It's like, would you rather these dudes jack up bad threes or take what the offense gives you? Like this is the fundamental offensive question that leads to. Um, this is where I kind of go at analytics guys and everybody who's like, look, you got to shoot more threes. Yes. Everybody wants to shoot more threes. You got to make them. 
is really what it kind of boils down to. So I did a little homework before uh, we Ooh. started this. Um, so the top five teams in three-point attempts, the Rockets are one, Milwaukee's second, Boston third, Atlanta, Brooklyn, and then um, – is that five? Yeah, that is five. Okay, cool. Did I, I might have skipped a team, but we can figure that out later. Um, of those teams, only two of them are in the top ten in three-point percentage, and that's Milwaukee at 36.1 in their eighth, and that's Boston at 35.9 in their ninth. Golden State at 37.5 is fifth, and we know that's actually kind of a low number considering how poorly Clay's been shooting from three. Yeah. Right. So, so and and Curry's missed a bunch of games, so they really could be. <laughs> they'll probably be up in the 40s before the season's over. And of the teams that are in the top six, they all are averaging below 30 attempts a game. Like everybody's connecting on these threes. You know, we're we're jacking up shots. If they're not going in, that's actually a win for the defense, right? Like. You know, I think it's a matter of, do you want an offense that's going to hunt just for threes? Do you want an offense like Houston that hunts for threes and just layups, and when those are gone, your offense is fucked? Or, oh, can I curse? <laughs> well, Come you on. just did. <laughs> yeah, that's no, fine. Of course, uh, of course. Uh, 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 well, your offense is screwed at that point? Or do you want one that's just going to say, like, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to get the best possible shot we can we can get. And if it's a three, it's a three. If it's not, it's not. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things, I think. I look at it and I kind of I don't really see a problem with it for Golden State. This well, is so similar to like the debates that have gone in baseball for like the last decade and a half about like you should only swing for a home run or wait for a walk, you know that sort of yeah. thing. And it's, ba- ba- uh, it is kind of interesting in that regard. But I, I guess in in baseball, it's, it's a lot more control too. You can kind of science it down to a T and kind of just sure. have it one way or another. I guess my my thing is uh, I kind of agree with both of you. Um, which is kind of like the the bailout kind of thing. But I, I think if I had to lean one way, I, I do kind of agree with Sam's point. It's that if there's an option between just chucking up threes from like Quinn Cook or Damian Lee or like whomever a role player is, like end of the day, I think with Clay, Katie, and Steph, I think like if they're if they want to shoot mid ranges for the rest of their lives, so be it, right? Um, you don't want that to happen, but they'll get up enough threes for it not to matter. But I, I just I don't understand going for those mid range shots if you're Cook or you're Lee or you're like anyone else. It's, you're not good enough to just consistently look for those shots. I don't care how good you're, you know, you're you're at. You're never gonna play enough minutes for those to ever even out. I feel like from a percentage perspective. So why don't you just shoot the threes rather than you know kind of I guess quote unquote go for the thing that's open. I'd rather just take that longer shot. And to piggyback Andy's point, um, I would agree with that. I'd you know I'd prefer Clay take more threes, but ultimately Clay and KD are shooting the highest percentage from mid range of anyone on volume in the NBA. And I do agree with Mo's larger point in the playoffs being a threat everywhere on the court is probably more important than just playing the analytics because you can take away the three over time or at least overplay guys so like being that three level threat matters um but i i'm with andy on that it's this is where kerr frustrates me the riding of role players like uh like quinn cook about taking great shots and all they end up doing is like pump faking into 18 footers <laughs> yeah i mean you, you obviously don't want that right like there's there, there's definitely stuff where it's you you want to kind of fix you know and and, and like you, you're right you guys don't want these dudes 
you want to know who you want taking your shots, right? And unfortunately, when you have guys that are injured or out and and whatnot, like you're you're relying on dudes where you're just like, damn, like these are the dudes we have to have that are going to have to take the shots. Um, Cook's a good three point shooter, you know, forty four percent from the field. You know, he's he's getting three and a half up. You you obviously want that to be higher, which means he's shooting about four and a half uh, two pointers, which you probably want to be lower. So it's it's just kind of a a tough deal, but you know, also come playoff time, which is really what matters for you guys more than anything else. You know, how many minutes is Quinn Cook really going to play? <laughs> Assuming you're fully healthy, like, is he is he going to really average the 20 minutes he's getting now, or is he going to be kind of getting closer to like 10 minutes? I, I guess it's more the I guess it's more the process because like I, I think you saw that Houston series, and I, I think Kerr was pretty content just saying, hey. Houston's obviously taken away the three. They're obviously taking away layups, which is what every team wants to do. But they're kind of going to the extreme, right? And they're like, hey, go and shoot mid-range jumpers. And I think Kerr's thing is, well, that's fine. We're going to go ahead and isolate and shoot mid-range jumpers. And it's almost kind of, let's let's kind of make them stop us from shooting those threes first. Let's not just devolve into kind of like taking what the defense gives us, which is, I, I think at this point, it almost seems like his system is, kind of taking whatever the defense gives them at first glance rather than just saying, you know what, like maybe run a pick and roll or 10 or 20, and that way you will get a three. Um, but that's not really what they want to do. They're like, hey, if we run the this triangle offense, we can get an open 15-footer, and we're fine with that. But then it's also like, dude, it's a 15, 18-footer. It's, it's, it's cool, but it's not like... You know, it's it's not something. It should be a counter shot, not the primary thing. Is yeah, always what it comes to down it. to. It. It's like I I think people, well, analytics people, you know, rage against it too much and don't understand its value. But on on the flip side, like you shouldn't be looking for it as much as the Warriors are. Yeah, I think I. I don't think it's it's one or the other. I don't know if it's a counter or if it's the shot you should be looking for. I think it's just kind of again. I'm I'm of the mind of. I'm going to run my stuff and the first great look I get, I want to pull. If that's a three, great. If it's a, if it's a clay even coming if they're off, giving it, that to you though, you know, that that's kind of what we're getting at, I guess. I mean, even if they're giving it to me, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to drill enough of those that they're going to have to start giving, start trying to take that away. And the thing about defense in general in the NBA is when you try to take one thing away, you're going to open something else up, right? It's like close the door, open a window, all that stupid freaking uh, cliches. Um, <sighs> You, you know, but, you know, when you do that, then it opens up the three ball. Then it opens up, you know, the paint. It, it It's a cause, you know, like once you do that, there's going to be a reaction to it and somebody else is going to be open elsewhere and you got to be ready to take it. So if they're giving me that and I'm killing them with that, they're going to have to try to stop that. You know, I was going through some of Clay's shots, uh, you know, and I, I know this NBA Twitter is very uh, I like the uh, the the the. Was it D. Clay DeRose, uh, De Thompson, or whatever, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and all of that stuff? Um, you know, but the thing is, like, when he's coming off these pin downs, defenses are are trailing him. You know, they're they're in lock and trail. At that point, the right thing to do is to curl around the screen. You know, because that's that's going to be what the open shot is. He's not going to be able to get a three off off of that because the guy is going to be trailing right behind him. You know, the the times you want him to take the three is when the he gets space from his defender or when his defender tries to kind of shoot the gap or cut over but the top. The of the Warriors be, flare. But I guess the question is, shouldn't the Warriors be looking to run him off different actions right. to kind of open it up and then go back to that over time? That's kind of my question, and it's um. 
it's one I go back and forth on. Like, obviously, in the process of watching Clay take like eight straight 17 footers, I get pretty annoyed. But um, (laughs) even though some of them are just like aesthetically, like some of the shots he hits are just, I mean, if you like basketball, it's pretty hard not to enjoy it. But, um, but getting, getting back off that, it's, uh, I don't really understand why the Warriors aren't looking to um, run some different sets other than they're basically like, what's the the point? It's, it's December. It's kind of cocky and it's just kind of boring to watch. Yeah. You know, the thing is like, let's be honest, Kerr's never really been a a heavy play caller. right? Right. So you're, this is, this is the system he has, right? He puts this in place and then you guys go do it. Um, and, and, and we'll find our shots within the system. So you're asking him to be more of a, a play caller and stuff. Like a Rick Carlisle. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's the first person I thought of as like a kind of a you're right. controlling I mean, play caller. That's exactly who he is. That's that, I mean, that's the, that's who I go to, you know, and, and we're, we're not asking him to be that extreme, but you're just asking him to have more of that. I don't know if that's something, you know, that's, that's incur as a coach, you know, maybe that's a hole in his coaching. Um, you know, I, I think he's a great coach. Uh, I think, you know, what he's done is, sure. is, is, is kind of amazing and really set up a, a system that really kind of puts, it puts defenses in tough spots. Um, and it's really difficult to scout. Like I remember whenever I've had to, you know, like somebody's like put a scouting report together on the, the Warriors. Luckily I never had to do it under with Kerr at the helm. But, you know, it's just one of those teams where you're just like, crap, they just run everything. They just run around and shoot threes or, you know, they do this, this and that. <laughs> like, there's no play call. It's not like, you, you know, sound oh, they're like, running. You sound like Twitter now. All they do is run in circles and shoot threes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and and the ironic thing is they actually don't. The numbers prove that they don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the but the idea of just like, you know, they, they don't call anything. You know, it's just kind of a very intuitive offense, you know, and, and, that, and that's kind of. Well, Kerr's thing, and I think what you're asking, you're asking Kerr now to be something he's not. Well, I, I when I when I when I covered the team and actually cared about getting quotes and asking questions, I remember Luke Walton and and Alvin Gentry. That that offense was spectacular, but that might have been just because it was a big change from Mark Jackson. But Luke Walton said something which was probably my one of my probably the favorite quote that season. Um, I think it was 2015-16 when yeah, he was, was the head coach of that yeah, team. He was a coach for the fall. Yeah, of 15. He, he was like. He was like, yeah, he was basically saying, Mo, exactly what we're saying. He's like, hey, we didn't, we're not going to call 15 plays out there. What we're going to do is we're going to install like a base offense and we're going to allow the players and they have to be smart, right? We don't, you know, you don't want like low IQ players running right. these plays. Like, it but doesn't at- work with a young team. Basically. It doesn't. Yeah. And that's why it works with Draymond Green, with Andre Iguodala, with Steph, with Clay. That's why it works. It's because guys like Draymond and Andre are able to pass and they're able to counter off of what the defense is doing. Um, I guess that kind of proves that Draymond Green is a pretty important player, not just to the defense, but to the offense, because you can't run this type of passing offense or, or this type of high Q, like, you know, you backdoor, and you kind of wink, wink, backdoor type of thing. You can't do that with Kevon Looney, right? You can't do that with Jordan Bell. I don't know. You Looney can do had th- some passes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, he's not Draymond, so it's kind of um, uh, I guess that's one of the things that's kind of underrated about Draymond, although I think his whole game is underrated at this point but um i guess that's one of those things i i want to get off offense really quick because i've been doing a lot of reading um about the rest of the nba and one of the things that popped up is that i think a lot of people are starting to believe it's kind of near the end for the top 
elite for them as a top defense. And I'm seeing like the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Sixers, all these other teams that are kind of like really good on defense are kind of, I, I think people are kind of underrating how much the switch matters for the Warriors defensively. Um, but do you think that they're kind of like, at this point, not ever going to be as great as they were even like a year and a half ago? I don't know if they'll be there just because old age, you know, like stuff catches up to you, nagging injuries and whatnot. Do I think it's the end? A toe. I mean, if I don't, do I think it's the end of the run? I mean, I know it's weird looking at them now. You know, the the rating at 18th at 109, their defensive rating. But at the Ooh. same time, it's you know a toe injury. Steph Curry's been out. I mean, there's a whole a lot more younger guys are playing, which means a lot more mistakes defensively. Because just as much as we said the offense was high IQ, you better have a damn good defensive IQ to play on this team. Because a lot of these switches and stuff are very intuitive, very, very much just like feel it out, go make this, you know, knowing each other, you know, and and I think having that group together. And that's also where you kind of miss Draymond because he's, I mean, is there a better backline communicator than him in the NBA right now? Probably not. I can't can't imagine, you know, and, and I think that's one of those things where Draymond being out really kind of sort of uh uh taints the numbers for me a bit because i don't think this is the best the best warriors defense you know i think this is them trying to survive injuries right now you know with with the injuries that they've had and 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 you also know that iggy's gonna be about 25 percent iggy then 50 percent iggy and then right oh, around the true. playoffs we get around 100 percent iggy like when i want to judge the warriors defense i'm gonna really I'm, listen i'm gonna I write, I do all these things, I the video threads. I'm going to judge them every chance I get. But when I really am going to care is in the playoffs. Now, if this carries over to the playoffs, I'm going to be concerned. But I don't think this will. I The Warriors yeah, you, have you earned see, the right to have the flip the switch kind of attitude. you know. And, and, and I kind of think I'm not too concerned about it. And then it'll be interesting when Cousins comes back and they have to work Cousins into this. One thing I'll point out on the defense, and this is actually – um, I'm actually a little more bullish on their defense because they've had some lineups without Draymond in this period that have been amazing. Um, the well, amazing might be a stretch, but the Igudala, Katie, Looney lineups. Anytime those three are on the floor, they still have a defensive rating under a hundred, and that's without Draymond. So they're they have some combinations, but it's it's also what Mo and Mo's saying like. When they when they get Jerebko and Quinn Cook out there, like, come on, that's that's an easy pick and roll just attack for the opponent. And like, I really think they're both useful in their roles. But like, if Kerr had a full roster, he's mixing and matching that stuff a little more because they they don't have necessarily the defensive depth, which is kind of what it's kind of what the the whole CBA is designed it to their, their depth is slowly disintegrated. They have, they have some main lineups that work, but like they get away from those. Like it's kind of like, are we going offensive or defensive? Yeah. And, and it's just one of those things. Like it's just injuries. It's, it's November, it's December. Um, you know, it's, it's, you don't win championships at this time. Believe me, I went 16 and zero in December once it didn't help me. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, so it's it's one of those things where it's like I'm just not worried about it. It's good for the teams. It is good for the the Raptors to be there because that's a new team. You know, it it is good for Boston because right, again, right. Th- that's all new pieces they have to incorporate. 
the the main pieces for the Warriors already have that institutional knowledge. The one guy you have to work in is Cousins because I imagine he's going to get some a good amount of minutes in the regular season, you know, and hopefully he'll he'll be able to translate and he can carry over into the playoffs and and, and get big minutes because I think he'll really help the team. I it's it's just not as urgent for the Warriors as it is for these other teams. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense, and I I still think they've got the defensive ceiling to to get there. I don't think people would necessarily disagree. I know that we'll probably won't get you on before Cousins comes back, so I do. I'm very curious about how you think uh, Steve Kerr. You know his system really well. How you how they're gonna fit him into that offensive structure? It looks like he's gonna start, and it looks like he'll be back. Um, probably, uh, you know, early January, I-, I think latest is what they're saying, right? I don't know. I have a more but, important uh, question. How many minutes into the first game will Matt Moore make a passive aggressive <laughs> tweet about how upset he is about the talent they have? <laughs> that is I'm, a better question. I'm staying away from that question. I'm not trying to fire that many shots. I, if you're listening, if you're listening, Matt, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from that, that Matt Moore question. I'm going to answer the the cousins question because it's uh it's actually something I wrote about in the summertime. Um, the uh, I really think we're gonna see him use cousins kind of in the same way he used Bogut, except even better, right? And I'm not trying to compare them as players. There's no questions. Cousins is a better player, and he's not racist. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, are we sure? As far as we as far Sam as we know, that. are we sure? As far as we know. <laughs> um, so it's another I, podcast. The, the, I think that's. <laughs> I think there's there's opportunities to put him in the high post the way, you know the the Warriors did with Bogut, you know, and and let him kind of dish out some few passes. I think Cousins has a good passing ability. I think Cousins has a great game altogether, and on top of that, can step out to three. Can you know you don't want him shooting a ton of threes, but you know oh, he won't. <laughs> Not on this team. No, but there are opportunities where he can stretch that out and shoot out to three. You know, I think you can use him as a, a ball creator. I think the other thing, too, and, and you know, in the Kerr era, they've never really had a true post player that can really score out of the post. And then on top of that, they've only had, had to deal with, with Steph and Katie. It's been really traumatic not having a post score. I, I, I know. I don't know how you guys have survived. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, but I think the other thing too is he's going to attract attention. Like, who are you going to double off of if Cousins is cooking in the post? I mean, you're going to double off Draymond, and they're going to find a way to kick it to Draymond, and Draymond's going to make the right pass out of that. So it's it's just so many different opportunities, and, and I'm kind of excited to see how how he gets incorporated. But I think we're going to see like just a better version of what the offense looked like when Bogut was there. And, you know, kind of using him a little bit as a facilitator, using him in the post. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to have him set off ball screens. And, and he's going to find moments where he can slip and get an easy dunk. There's going to be some really good opportunities for him. But I think if you really want to look to see the, the smartest way to incorporate Cousins is, is kind of look back to the past to when they had Bogut. Yeah, that it, that is true. And, and back when Bogut would shoot those. God, they were scarring. I mean, he was really good. I, I remember actually loving the uh, the acquisition. I was one of the big, um, I was one of the big like, hey, Monte's got to go. Um, we got to get a big here. He, even though he was hurt, he could play defense. He kind of changed the culture of that defense. He too. really him did. And, I think him and um, it was great. Yeah, I think. Um, well, we don't need to go in the Mark Jackson bandwagon or history lesson, <laughs> but I always thought he got a little 
too much credit for changing the defense. I was like, they kind of changed the entire personnel of the roster, and they brought in two all-NBA caliber defenders. Yeah. Like, they better get better right. that way. And granted, Mark Jackson did do some great things in terms of getting them to like play together. But, I mean, you bring in an all-NBA center and maybe the best wing defender going at that time. Like Bogut was so gonna get better good too. God, yeah. he was so good on defense. I don't think people really remember how good Bogut was, you know, before he got all those injuries. And he had a ton of freak injuries. I mean, I'm still scarred by his. Oh, elbow. the one where he fell, oh. that was terrible. But and and you're right, people don't because I mean those Milwaukee teams were low playoff teams in a weak East, so it's like it's just not going to get attention. Wasn't he the he, number one pick too? He was the he, no, it was, was the number one pick, and he was it was it wasn't even a thought, you know. I, I don't remember who else was in that draft, but Baseball. I don't think it was. He was the number one pick, <laughs> without a doubt, you know. And I think it's just one of those things like injuries really derailed this dude's career, and then it got to the point like he couldn't even. I I don't even think now if he can fully straighten his arm out because his elbow still so screwed up. Yeah, that that was when he could he couldn't shoot the ball like he would like right. shoot like a half hook. I mean, like sometimes it'd go in, but it was just so ugly. And you gotta remember, like I, I remember just being annoyed. And then I was like, well, the dude did snap his elbow in half, and it's like, <laughs> well, well, you know, what can you really? No, but like I I do I just like always back... wonder why people like I, I would get annoyed with like his injury stuff, and I'm like, dude, to keep coming back and having the will to come back after like some of those, he like, quit. I would have quit. Yeah. He quit, yeah. he quit drinking to, to re I remember that. And, uh, you know, it's not easy quitting drinking, especially cold Turkey. But, um, <laughs> the, so I, I will say this, like for, for those that say, say Steph is like a collaborative talent, whatever, like he has great teammates around him, but I will say Steph since, you know, that acquisition and, and for the last, you know, five years, he has had the, um, the fortune of having, you know, just great defenders around him at all times. I think he makes everybody better on offense. Anybody. I don't care if you're KD or LeBron, Anthony, whoever it is, right? He'll make you better than you always will be. But I think on defense, that's been one of the things that has kind of like propelled this team that it's kind of underrated. Even when the Warriors were, were won that first title, like people wouldn't talk about that defense. And and, and Bogut was benched, right? Remember, like he was benched right. in the finals, but God, like those were, and there were that there was that one series where Bogut. I know we're going down a rabbit hole, but where he like he was dunking all over Javale McGee and the Nuggets, and that was one of those things where I was like, oh man, like you know, we might have a real team. Uh, uh, he never really got there and was consistent, but that defense was. Uh, and, and and then I guess that was after that it became kind of a Draymond at the center thing, and it was and by like, the way, well, Draymond yeah. will never say he will credit yes, Bogut true. so much with like teaching him certain aspects of defense and how to use angles and kind of communicate from the back. Like he's very complimentary of Bogut. Like I, I can't think of a, another player. He's that complimentary of maybe Iguodala. Honestly, that's about it. And, and, and it's fair. Cause I mean, Bogut had a hell of a basketball IQ, you know, yeah. um, it's just one of those things. Again, it, it's he, he found a way to make himself useful despite basically being a shell of his former self. Like, Listen, I, I I don't know what I, I'm like. You guys, I probably would have just quit hoops. Um, but like, he found a way to make himself useful, and more importantly, you know, I, him kind of him and Draymond were a beast defensively. Um, you know, and and they were a pain in the ass for us. It was definitely going into those games. We knew we had a headache, you know, having to deal with those two. Um, and we knew it was going to be tough for Blake in those games because of those guys. So it's it's one of those things, like. He he served his purpose. Listen, I'd have gotten rid of him to get KD as well. Like that's a no brainer. Oh, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, that's, that's, that's without a doubt. But, you know, you you guys don't win the first championship and go to the finals again without him. Yeah, it's, it's, that's that culture that they built. Um, that was uh, it is kind of it is kind of funny. Place. People like he was benched for matchup reasons in the finals, and um, basically they just wanted to go small and play fast to open up the game. Right. Um, and all of a sudden, like that's all people remember, and they don't you know, <sighs> mention him God. as like a relevant piece in the whole run. I'm like, dude, they don't get through the West without him. Do you, do you remember in fourteen fifteen when he played Duncan to a stand not a standstill but he was like legit good on Duncan oh yeah um in that second round series yeah I mean I, I there were very few you matchups where yeah there, there, were, there were very few matchups that that you felt like you had the upper hand on him you know you knew it was going to be a fight you know at the at the very least it was going to be physical it's going to be a battle. So it's not like you, you felt like, oh, we're totally going to kick Bogut's ass. It's like, no, we, we got to watch <laughs> out for Bogut. You know, um, it's it's one of those types of things. So it's never a surprise. But it's like, you, you know, Sam was saying, you, you you only remember the finals, especially the casual fans. So they, they see him get benched and it's, oh, he sucks. It's like, eh, not so much. Yep. Welcome to uh, welcome to NBA Twitter. But uh, 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 Mo, <laughs> we uh, we appreciate you having you on. We're going to get you on next time that Sam tries to take uh, Steve's job again. But until then, <laughs> man, I appreciate you. Thank you for hey, bringing just, a little perspective. Just just no, no no more fights with Steve Kerr's wife. <laughs> I wasn't fighting. I actually, I, so just, oh. to, I mean, I said it earlier in the pod, but I'm not gunning for Steve to get fired. I just like wanted to see a few tweaks in the offense. And maybe, maybe I could have been a little bum- less bombastic with the tweaks. <laughs> Sam, my guy. You're going to get out of practice, Sam. (laughs) Thank you, Bo. Thank you so much, guys. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.